Well, thanks for listening to the uh, Graphic Designer Podcast. This is the first episode, hopefully, of many. Uh, I guess you could call me the show host. I'm graphic designer Dan Nisbet, and I'm joined here by my colleague Jessica Rosengard. Uh, so I guess just to kind of get started, we'll just kind of jump into introductions a little bit. So uh, maybe you just kind of want to jump in here and uh, talk a little bit about yourself, Jessica. Hi, everyone. I'm Jessica Rosengard. I'm a graphic designer in Chicago. And uh, I... <laughs> <laughs> I'm, am I already making this too hard on you? <laughs> <laughs> I we don't lost. know why I'm we, laughing so hard. We, we lost her. Yeah, you're going to have to cut me out on that one. Nice. I'm a uh, graphic designer and website designer in Chicago. Um, I do a lot of work with Dan, and I'm happy to be here. Excellent. And and just to kind of give everyone a little bit of uh, info about myself, uh, I'm from uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, just up the road from Jessica here. I've been a graphic designer for, I guess you'd unofficially say, the last 10 years. Uh, Officially, um, I've been a freelance graphic designer for almost the last four years now, which kind of seems like it's flying by a little bit. Um, and yeah, I specialize with uh, websites, doing website design and programming, um, helping people out with their brand, doing logo design and things like that, and I guess almost anything else you can throw at me. Um, so basically so, what you're saying is that you're showing me up. Yeah, only a little. You could have added more, though. <laughs> I got nervous. I didn't know. Okay. Yeah, yeah whatever. So anyway, um, today... On, the, on this show, we wanted to kind of open things up, and um, I guess we're kind of going right for the jugular a little bit. We wanted to talk about uh, there's no such thing as a bad client, and um, kind of to steal a little bit from a, a speech from Mike Montiero, how graphic designers are ruining the world. Um, and so I guess I wanted to start today from something I found on Clients from Hell earlier this week. And uh, we kind of had a little bit of a discussion before we started the show here, but I was going to bring it up again here. Um, the, the the link that I'm kind of disagreeing almost a little bit with that it's even on there, uh, it's a graphic designer who was hired to design some sort of booklet for a client. And um, it sounds like there, there was a bit of back and forth there. The client had a few specific things they wanted to see. Um, And upon receiving those revisions and changes, the client uh, made the comment that um, you're the designer, you should be the creative and not take what I say so literally, uh, you should push back if you think something else will work better. And so I guess we're just going to kind of go back and forth on this a little bit because you actually disagreed with me that... uh, that, Well, keep going. Keep reading it. Uh, yeah, I suppose I shouldn't fairly. Don't put me in that um, position before you finish reading it. Yeah, good point. Um, so anyway, the the, uh, the client, you know, kind of mumbles and grumbles, whatever. It's this, so they agree to send some new ideas over. And then the client says, I really don't like this. You're not listening. Um, I don't understand why you didn't uh, just do what I asked you the first time. So you're saying with that line that that, that puts them on clients from hell. Um, but my take is is that the designer might actually be the one from hell here because they did a poor job managing that client's expectations. Well, um, the reason why I disagreed, um, because this is a situation where, unfortunately, we all know this expression all too well, you can't have your cake and eat it too. You right. can't say, you be the creative one, come up, dazzle me, Mm-hmm. knock my socks off, and then when I come and try and knock your socks off, you say, why didn't you just at- give me what I asked for in the first place? Mm-hmm. You know, That's a classic case of I want my cake and I want to eat it too. Um, right. The one thing that we're at the disadvantage of is we've got this teeny tiny little snippet of a scenario 
we have no idea what the, what the previous uh, conversations were, what the relationship was between the graphic designer and the client. But right. when you really narrow it down to this, you dazzle me, knock my socks off, just show me something awesome. I trust you. You're the designer. This is why I hired you. Mm-hmm. And then to come back and say, no, why didn't you just do what I want in the first place? That's very frustrating. It is. Um, I mean, I'm known for saying, look, I will do whatever you want me to do. Whatever. Mm-hmm. It's your site. You have to be happy. This is not about me. It's about you. I'll yep. do whatever you want me to do. Um, but this is my professional opinion. And then we usually sure. have a conversation from there. So maybe that mm-hmm. is how I handle the whole trying to manage the client's expectations so that conversations like this don't happen. Right. Uh, yeah, it's it's interesting because uh, back in the day when I used to work at a studio, I had a client that, um, you know, they always knew what they wanted. And at the time, looking back, I didn't know how to manage their expectations. So I literally would just do what they wanted. Uh, but then when they would get frustrated by the, the end product or the end draft, uh, you know, they would get mad at me. What I've kind of learned in that time is I need to set the relationship up from the get-go, uh, kind of like my accountant does with me, I guess is the best parallel I have for this. Um, when I go and I, I get my, my books done and my taxes done, when I go to my accountant, you know, she goes through everything that I made for the, the year, you know, my deductions, all that fun stuff. And when she contacts me again at, at the end of you know, doing what she needs to do, she says, all right, Dan, Here's officially what you made this year after we take out, you know, everything that you've, you know, you know, paid for services, products, what have you. And here's how much you're going to pay in taxes. And when she comes back to me with this, you know, she's kind of set me up a little bit, you know, prior to that, you know, okay, you made, you know, 60,000 a year or whatever it is. I'm, of course, making up a number here, but, um, <laughs> you know, she'll, she'll say, you know, okay, I can maybe, you know, project that this might be what you spend in taxes. So when she comes back to me with the final number, I'm not sitting there going, whoa, I was only expecting to pay $500. What do you mean I have to pay $20,000, you know, or whatever it is? Um so she sets those expectations up. She doesn't come back to me and say, well, you know, I came up with this $18,000 number. What do you think? Um, well, you know, granted it's, it's, it's money and it, you know, it's, it's not as, um, what you're talking about, you know, we talked about this before the show. I Mm -hmm. definitely understand where you're coming from, but now that I'm hearing Mm -hmm. it again, I'm thinking, I don't know that it's, it's a, true apples to apples comparison. You're talking about something extremely formulaic and Mm -hmm. uh, static in terms of you make this much money, this is how Mm -hmm. much you're going to have to pay in taxes. Whereas art is a subjective thing. Um, But I think really when it comes down to managing a client's expectations to make sure that you deliver what it is that they want, what they're happy with, what they'll sign off on, Mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. um, It's a matter of explaining things before you even get started. And this is one of the reasons why you and I were talking about doing this, um, uh, this particular topic is Mm -hmm. managing the client's expectations from the get go. Right. So that they, so there isn't, uh, you know, and none of us are perfect. I know I make mistakes all the time. (laughs) Like, oh (laughs) shoot, I thought I should have said that, or I thought I did say that. Um, or, um, you know, one thing that is, I think probably very frustrating for our clients is, and this kind of falls under the how the graphic, des- graphic designers might be ruining the world, um, mm-hmm. is when we take things for granted. We take for granted that the client's going to just know something about right. our process. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm probably jumping all over the board here, but I think this is kind of a an overall 
this is a this is genuinely about managing client expectations before you right. even start working with them. Yeah, and, and and it's interesting. Like when I started freelancing, which I know was you know a little bit after you did, but it, the interesting thing that that I kind of learned right away was. Um, you know, when I used to work in a studio, there used to be a, a sales team that went ahead of me to a client. So they were the ones who pitched, you know, what we would be doing, what we could do, how we could help them. So there was already kind of that baseline when I used to work for somebody that by the time the client came to me, I, you know, I didn't really have to do all that, that work ahead of time. I could just start designing and they went, Ooh, that looks pretty. And, you know, more often than not, I had a great relationship. And of course there was a project manager on top of me who, you know, kind of did some of the nitty-gritty detail work as far as the relationship went. When I became a freelance designer, I didn't have that anymore. I I had literally learned from scratch how to work with a client. And, uh, you know, something that that really tripped me off right away was the first few clients I worked with, you know, number one, I wasn't obviously charging the rate that I do now, so, you know, it was a little bit cheaper. Uh, But I didn't know how to set up that relationship from the get-go so as a result a lot of my relationships with my initial clients great as they were and you know I had some amazingly patient clients which I I can't thank them enough for and even some of them are are still clients to this day Uh but but there was moments in that relationship you know as I was designing something or whatever where I should have been standing up more maybe I should have pushed back a little bit more and I didn't know to do that Uh, and so as a result you know there was there was times where it was well okay you know what just do this call it done and, and we'll move on to the next thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, which often it wasn't, you know, too offensive, you know, they weren't saying, Hey, put it in comic sans and, and put rainbows on it. Uh, well, but I think it, we all know damn well that there are people who say, put it in comic spans comic <laughs> yeah. and put rainbows all over the place, yeah. which is obviously an entirely different topic for an entirely different this podcast. Is, this but, is true. um, you know, there is that person out there. <laughs> I think we yep. need to be clear on that, but mm-hmm. you're right. Um, you know, I mean, I'm listening to you and I'm thinking, cause I've been doing this a long time. I've been freelancing mm-hmm. for close to 20 years, worked mm-hmm. with all different kinds of clients, all for, on all different kinds of projects. And I think one of the things that I'm, that, that is coming to my mind is this whole, um, learning how to say no to a yeah. client. And I don't mean learning how to say no, like, no, I'm not doing that. No. Mm-hmm. And you know, I'm not in a bratty yeah. way, like you're stomping your feet, <laughs> but in the no, like, I'm sorry, but that's actually not part of the original scope of the project. I'd be happy to quote that out for you. Mm -hmm. Um, That kind of no. Or the 10 rounds of revisions when you very clearly stated in your contracts that you get two rounds of revisions and everything over that will be built hourly. I think that there's this, um, and not not everyone has the fear. I think that there's this... There's a part of wanting to be the people pleaser, the super nice mm-hmm. person, um, being early in your career, um, mm-hmm. and and you don't even have to be all that earlier early in your career. I've been doing this a long mm-hmm. time, and there's still times where I'm like, oh my god, I'm actually nervous to have to go back and say to the client, right? You know, unfortunately, this isn't part of the original uh, agreement. Um, if you this is something that you want, I'd be more than happy to quote it for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is, this also falls in line with the managing client expectations. And what I right. have found is that saying no, doesn't have to be a defense mechanism and it doesn't have to be, um, antagonistic mm-hmm. by any stretch of the imagination. It is, uh, you're running a business just like they are. Um, and what I find is it's all in how you say, you can say the same thing, the same Mm -hmm. exact thing, a hundred different ways. 
and they're totally. all going to come across different. So, yeah. Um, and, and usually like what I like to do, you know, if it isn't a matter where it's requoting like the example you provided, um, you know, let's say we're dealing with the rainbow and unicorn scenario. Uh, you know, you, you're not going to requote a project just because, of, you know, they want rainbows now. But, uh, you know, typically what I do is, is I might start with a no saying eh, we're not going to do that. Uh, but then I might transition into an alternative, you know, and, and get the client thinking about who we're really designing for because, you know, that's another thing at the end of the day. Uh, in most cases, I won't say always, you're not designing specifically for the client. You're designing for that client's customers or their clients. So you have to start thinking about what they like. Uh, you know, if your product is rainbows and unicorns and comic sans that you're selling to clients, you know, yeah, then that has its place. But... <laughs> For the most part, um, you know, you have to think about what is their audience going to respond to and what your client likes might not be what their clients or their customers like. So you really have to get them to think about it from that angle, too, because, you know. Well, this you know, is a really, really important topic, mm -hmm. uh, this, this point you're making, because I agree with right. it 150 percent, if that's possible. Um, in my world, it's possible, so it's possible. Well, sure, yeah. Um, I agree with this because, um, and, and like I've already mentioned, I will very often find myself saying to a client, I will do whatever you want me to do. If this is what you want me to do, I will do it. But this is, this is my professional opinion, why mm -hmm. I am discouraging you from doing it. And this is why um, I, I'm always finding myself having to sort of explain, and this is this kind of goes hand in hand, one, with managing expectations, and two, um, not taking for granted that the customer knows or the client knows something that we know inherently, they don't yeah. know inherently. So it's yeah. it kind of goes in like, look, I'm going to do whatever you want me to do, but this is my professional opinion. This is not the road I think you should go down. You should go down this road. This is why. Mm -hmm. um, and reminding them that, Although you have to be happy with your product, you're the one paying for it, and you're the one that has to be satisfied with it. Please yeah. don't lose sight of the fact that you aren't the one, you aren't the only person that's going to be visiting your website. You are not going to be the only one reading the brochure or looking mm -hmm. at the logo or all these things. So, yeah. I think that there there has to be a healthy balance between the customer actually being happy with the finished product that they're paying their hard earned dollars for, mm -hmm. but. Um, this just really, it's a huge, uh, don't take things for granted sort of subject. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, even one other thing that, that I like to do with the client is I always like to remind them, you know, maybe it kind of diminishes the amount of business that I can have with them. But when I design something, I, I try and design it with longevity in mind. You know, if we're going to pick on a website, for example, I don't want to have to come back the following year and redesign the website because we didn't think of something or, you know, we didn't take enough time to really think about how people were going to use that website. And all of a sudden we discovered, you know, that, uh, you know, the client didn't or the, the client's clients didn't like the drop downs. And all of a sudden we have to restructure everything. And, you know, oh, my gosh, we're redesigning. Um, I always explain that costs you more money because now rather than paying X amount for a website, you're paying me two times that amount because now I have to redo it again. So, but that goes, but that's that should be unless I'm just misunderstanding you. That would be part of your original estimate and contract, explaining out the different steps right. incorporated but, with phase one, which is research and concepting. Um, exactly, and I, research and concepting. I. You know, I hear stories sometimes. <laughs> I have not run into 
a client that does not appreciate or understand the fact that I incorporate researching research and concepting into my process. Yeah, um, and, and that's actually something that I would like to see more designers do. Um, I've had the privilege over the years of working with a, a few different designers. Which part? And doing it at all or communicating that they do it? Both. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, when I first started working uh, as a designer, I never really thought to sit down and go, hmm, I should research this. Uh, it wasn't until I was working with a designer who had a bit more experience than me who sat down and said, well, why are you doing that? You know, that's... My experience with this client, you know, their their ideal client would never go for this. Uh, and, and it really made me step back and go, hmm, I, you know, I should have thought about something like that before, you know, I even put pen to paper. Mm. Uh, and, and yeah, it's, you know, when you're working with clients, you know, who let's say they deal with numbers or they, you know, deal with finances all day. I mean, research is always a big part of a lot of other industries. And, you know, is it's important for designers to do to you know do this initial research and everything, but I also think that there's a level of comfort that a client might get because they go, okay, you know what, this designer is actually speaking my language a little bit. I understand what research is. I understand what he's trying to do here, um, and and I think that kind of helps lend some credibility to you as a designer uh, that that you're doing that. You're going, you're kind of saying, you know. You don't understand, you know, Photoshop, Illustrator, typography, all of this other stuff, but here's kind of a common ground we do understand that we can, you know, bring everything back to and say, you know, is what I'm delivering to you as an end design meeting these goals or meeting these expectations? I'm thinking of so many things right now. I'm just wondering <laughs> if we should be talking about it now or creating new yeah. uh, subjects think- for, for podcasts. I no. think, um, you know, the one thing that's, that's coming up is um, things are changing in this, mm-hmm. in this field in general, in technology and in the world, obviously, mm-hmm. not to sound totally hokey, but things yeah. are changing uh, technologically at mm-hmm. such an unbelievably rapid rate. Every year it's, it's changing at an increased rate. Yep. So um, with that, we've the the industry has sort of given birth to this um, user experience designer. You you no longer mm-hmm. have these just, oh, I'm a graphic designer and I can also do your websites. Now you've got graphic designers and website designers. Then, yeah. uh, you know, it starts to evolve into um, having User multiple experience. people. Yes, <laughs> yes. So you've got people working on front end and back end. And, yeah. and even for a while, I'd be like, I don't understand what's different between front end and back end. And then when I I did my research and I was like, oh, mm-hmm. I'm understanding now. Okay, fine. I'm not really the quote unquote back end developer. That's just mm-hmm. not my forte. I'm the front end developer. Mm-hmm. But the the rapid rate that things are changing and the fact that you can see things on tablets and mobile devices and TV screens and you can see things through your Apple TV and, and all these different gadgets. You know, obviously I'm an mm-hmm. Apple fanboy, so I keep saying well, yeah. Apple products, but you get the idea. Now, all of a sudden, you've got to think more intuitively. And I think that that is where we need to communicate. And I find myself way more often communicating about these subjects with clients because they Mm -hmm. don't think about that. Like, I might have a client who um, he's just, he's like, I just want it done. I don't care. Great. Looks good. Looks good. Looks good. And I'm not really thinking about it. Um, and that's another tough one. That that's mm-hmm. like a whole other animal because it's, and I don't mean that in a bad way, animal. I mean sure. like project animal of right. um, the client who knows he needs his website or her website redone desperately because the other one was done in 1998, and you can tell bad. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it's not responsive. It is not legible. It has, yep. you know, animated GIFs on it. It's got all kinds of crazy things and flashing text. And um, mm-hmm. this this client just does not have any interest. Here's this. Mm-hmm. So, so this is kind of spawning a whole. So, so how do we handle the client who's like, I don't know, I don't care. Yeah. Looks um, good. Looks good. Looks good. Like no revisions, which just blow, blows my mind because let's be honest, yeah. like I am not the best designer in the world. I never claim <laughs> to be. So for me to design this whole, uh, website with all these phases saying like, here's your homepage and this is how it's going to transition. And this is what this is going to look like. And I've like mm-hmm. put together a PDF that might be 12 pages long showing the transition throughout the website so that they can get an idea. And they're like, yep, looks good. Yeah. It makes me really nervous. Like, do yeah, you and, do you push and, the client for edits? I mean, like, what do you well, do? <laughs> it, it depends on my relationship with the client. Um, you know, I've worked with clients who really like to be involved with their, their projects, and I think we both can agree that those are really awesome clients. It's fun when you have somebody yeah. who cares and wants to be involved like that. On the flip side, I have, I guess, had the privilege, you would call it, to work with with clients who just want to step back. And and to be honest with me, uh, that's to be honest okay with you? too. Well, yeah, to be honest with me, yeah. <laughs> um, at some point I knew in the span of this podcast, I would say something dumb like that, but, uh, no, to get to my point. Um, yeah, I've, I've had the privilege of working with clients who I, I guess I would call them a hands-off client. And usually what I do is I, I just, I, I try and establish my, my relationship with them at the get go of, if you're going to be a hands-off client, then you understand that you're giving me more power to make design and creative decisions for you. Right. Uh, so that's where I make sure to really do my homework ahead of time. You know, you really have to know who, you know, they're trying to target with this design, you know, be it website, logo, what have you. Um, really nail your homework down. Really, I, I do try and push at least right away when the excitement is kind of at its high point at the beginning of the project, if there are any preferences at all. Uh-huh. Um, you know, is there any companies that they do work with where, uh, you know, a color or a font, whatever stands out? Uh, you know, just really try and extract as much information as I can from the get-go, um, record all of that, and then, you know, go through my process and everything. Um, and when I come to a, a final uh, product, if you will, depending on what it is, that's when I sit down and I really write out what I did. You know, here's why I use this font. Here's why I use this color. Here's why I did this. Here's why I did that. Um, and tie it back into that initial conversation you had. You know, the, <clears throat> the decisions that I made were based on everything, as little as it was, you know, that I tried to get out of you. So when it reaches the client, hopefully there's not too much of a, a surprise there for them that it might be something similar to what they were expecting or it's going to work for their their client or their target audience um <clears throat> so to me that kind of helps a little bit um i i think there is some freedom of, of creative uh, creative flexibility there uh it just takes a little more work to get to that and for that reason i think that might be why designers are sometimes a little bit hesitant on working with with clients like that but it doesn't have to be a bad thing well the interesting thing um <laughs> we i feel like we we kind of skipped over something um that i wish we almost would have talked about first because yeah. which is kind of goes with what you were just talking about mm-hmm. um i think a lot of times we can i i hate to use this term well you know what i don't i don't want to use that term mm-hmm. i i vetting clients before we even start working with them. This was something that you and I have talked about um, that we wanted to start off with. And, uh, you know, I'm glad that we're talking about, we're talking about, but I think, 
a lot of the struggles is a lot of the struggles are about whether or not we have properly vetted clients. Everyone vets mm-hmm. clients. Everyone <laughs> yep. just just like they're vetting us as the designer. Um, exactly. And I think that um, what I do as part of my uh, process, and this is uh, not a negative or a positive thing. This is a, I need to know if I'm going to be the right person for the job. And I will flat out say, can you give me some idea about, uh, can can you give me like a little bit of background? Like, what are you looking for? What's your Mm -hmm. timeline and what's your budget? And a lot of times, a lot people do not want to reveal what their budget is. And I just want to Mm -hmm. be clear about this because we have talked about it. This isn't a matter of me trying to get a number out of a client so that I could leverage myself somehow and either be like, ooh, they've got more money than I thought and charge it, mm-hmm. or um, to somehow get a number so that I could just match it. You know, right. I know what I'm worth and I know what I charge. Mm-hmm. And really what this comes down to, and this is really important, I don't know what other designers do, but I ask that question and it has actually saved not only myself, but the client a lot of it does. Hate it and, time because, yeah, then I, and, you know, if they come to me and they're like, well, you know, I only have like $800, you know what? Okay. Sounds good. Thank you so much for the information. Actually, I'm not going to be the right person for the, for the job mm-hmm. because $800 doesn't really cover even a quarter of this process. Right. Um, well, I'm I, so I kind of likened it. Yeah. I, I spoke at WordCamp um, in Milwaukee here last year, 2013. Um, <clears throat> and part of my speech was on the whole, the, the price thing. Um, I was actually speaking to a group of people who were more of the client type at, at WordCamp than the designers or anyone like that. And in the parallel that I drew there, because it's what I do, um, I talked about buying a car. You know, you don't show up to a, a car lot, walk in, and you know when the car salesman goes, "Well, what kind of budget?" and you go, "I don't know." <laughs> you're, you're not you're not going to get that information out of me. Um, that's the difference between them selling you a two thousand dollar used car or the two hundred thousand dollar Porsche nine eleven side note, which is what I want, um, in, in the front showroom there, because if you came in with a $5,000 budget, obviously you're not getting that car that's front center in the showroom, but maybe you're getting something a little bit more than the old beater car that they've got hidden away in the back of the lot that, you know, magically maybe someday somebody's going to come and buy. So that's what I always explain to some people when they're a little bit hesitant is it's, it's not that I'm going to, you know, say, oh, your budget's $10,000. Hey, magically, what I'm going to charge you is $9,999.99. Oh, look, I'm under budget. Um, It's not that at all. Um, And, you know, if people are, uh, you know, they're hesitant to give that away or whatever, then, um, you know, that's when I'll just specify, okay, well, you know, for a project like this, um, you might expect to spend between this amount and this amount. And, and that might elicit a reaction enough for them to say, you know what, that's not going to work or yeah, we can do that. I love the, uh, analogies that I, I use all mm-hmm. the time with clients. Um, I always tend to use the house analogy. Yeah. That's um, another good one. And, and we always giggle about it, but, and, mm-hmm. and, but it's always relevant and people always it seem is. to understand it doesn't even matter what industry they're in. Mm-hmm. It's the whole, um, Finishing a project or, okay, well, here, here's one example. My client comes and they say, you know, I've got this website, which side note, it's awful. It's old. The code's bad. It's out of date, blah, blah, blah. You get mm-hmm. the idea. Hey, yep. I really can't afford to redo my whole website, but I do want to have X, Y, and Z um, mm-hmm. added to it. Can you, can you add this to my website? And, you mm-hmm. know, 
for the most part, for the most part, I mean, as, is like one note, no, I typically do not work on somebody else's code because that ends up right. being too expensive, but obviously that's uh, a much bigger conversation. Mm-hmm. But my analogy to that is, you know, that's like buying a cabin in the woods that does, you know, that's very basic. It's, it's insulated just enough to keep the wind out, but it is nothing all that spectacular. And mm-hmm. now all of a sudden you want to put a second story on top of it and you want to add central air and a surround sound system and blah, blah, blah. blah. Like it, it doesn't, it, it's not that straightforward. You know, right. you're, you're asking me to put state of the art add-ons to duct tape and toothpicks. Yeah. And, and um, that doesn't work. And, yeah. you know, the, the, that process doesn't work. But when you kind of explain it like that, and I don't think I've ever mm-hmm. used the cabin in the woods uh, routine. Yeah. There's but a new one for you. <laughs> there, there is a new one for me. But I do say to someone, you know, you're, you're, not, you're asking me to put an addition onto a house that was not built with a solid foundation and has a lot exactly. of buck ta- duct tape and toothpicks. Um, it, it's just you can't do it. Uh, right. It's going to be just you're, you're going to spend more money than just redoing it in the first place. And some yeah. clients respond to that and they're like, OK, I get it. You're right. And some clients mm-hmm. can't handle it. OK. Yeah. And then I don't think we're going to be able to work together. And, yeah. um, and that's OK because – yeah, there's there's nothing wrong with with turning work down, um, and and sometimes it's it's tough, but uh, you know sometimes it's the way it is. It, it might save you headaches down the road. Um, so yeah, I think we actually covered quite a bit of good stuff here. Um, there's two it, more topics I would love to bring up. I just don't know yeah. if we have time for it. Um, um, the <laughs> well, I'll go for it. It's <laughs> you tell me. Um, well, well, I think, I think we've got then a lot I'll of just, good stuff. Then I'll just bring them up. So, oh, um, right. one thing I know we, um, had previously talked about was the decisiveness, mm-hmm. um, not just on the client's end, but, um, if we're going to be good designers and project managers, we need to help guide the client from a decisive standpoint yeah. and offering five options for something or just offering too many options of anything, mm-hmm. um, can overwhelm a client. And, that's true. Yeah. You know, and I just think that this is definitely something to consider because mm-hmm. um, going with the theme of the client, taking for granted that the client understands our process and then presenting them with too many options, what do you think is going to happen? Like, of course, yeah. they're going to come back and be like, I want element A from mm-hmm. option one and I want element B. And it turns into, um, I don't want to swear, but it turns into a little bit of a cluster of revisions mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of what might feel like wasted time. Right. And I think that if we are the experts, we need to narrow things down. And when we present something to a client, you don't just present everything that you've done. You present what you feel is representative of the best work. Right. And it's actually, I think that's a really good topic. And I might actually push that one to our next episode because I've actually got some really good stories on that. Um, A lot of them from when I first started being a graphic designer, but... uh, yeah, it's. I think that could be a great topic for our our next episode, which hopefully won't be too long from this one. Um, <laughs> so I I think for today, um, I don't know. I think we we covered everything pretty well. Hopefully on um, hopefully not being uh, that there's no such thing as a bad client, and uh, hopefully uh, at least inspire a few people to to try some new things and and to. Uh, you know, maybe work on, you know, how they can present themselves better as a designer or work with a client better as a designer uh, for 2014. So uh, so with that, um, how about we wrap this thing up? Sounds good. 
Thanks Perfect. for listening, and we'd love to yeah. hear your comments and feedback. Yeah, you can uh, you can find us graphicdesignerpodcast.com. Um, just kind of to do some personal shoutouts, um, where can people find you online, Jessica? Oh, I'm at jessicarosengard.com. Um, I, like I said, I'm based in Chicago. Been doing this a long time. <laughs> I sometimes wonder how I have to sit and count how many years I've actually been been designing. But um, sure. Yep, jessicarosengard.com. Excellent. And uh, if anybody cares to follow me online, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Dan Nisbet, N-I-S-B-E-T. And you can find me on Dribble under the same name, or you can find me online at my website, dannesbitt.com. Perfect. Well, as Jessica said, we appreciate everybody taking about a half hour out of their day to listen to the show. Um, for any complaints, you can send that email to Jessica. Any compliments on the show, you can send that to me. I kid. We'll probably just have one email. No, you're not kidding. <laughs> oh. Oh, man. Well, thank you. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time. Yeah, thanks for listening.